You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, this is Tanya Pinkins, and you are listening to You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network. It is right now, it is like April 27th. I feel like I haven't recorded in, I definitely haven't recorded in about four or five months, but I'm excited to get back here today. And my guest is Kalia Davis, who is the artistic director of the Bay Area Children's Theater. I don't know which generation she would be from, but it's definitely not mine. And I am looking forward to having a conversation to her about many of the things I don't understand about the new generation. Um, Kalia has directed the world premiere of um, She Persisted the Musical, and she has, um, which was inspired by Chelsea Clinton's best-selling book, A Kid's Play About Racism. And she adapt was adapted from Jelani Memory's book, a kid's book about racism. So she's committed to amplifying BIPOC voices. And I got so many questions. So join me in welcoming Kalia Davis, who is in Oakland right now. Hey. Yes. Hello, hello, hello. So, you know, what generation are you from? Do you have letters or something? I don't even know if my generation has letters. What is your generation? I'm a millennial born in 88. And that's millennial. And what comes after that? And when do those people born? Because I really don't know. So I thought it was officially Gen Z comes right after millennial. But apparently there's like this like window uh, of individuals that are right between millennial and gen- generation Z that I do not know the title of. But I, I truly don't care. I just know that I no longer can relate to high schoolers. Like I used oh. to be able to be like, oh, I understand you. I can get on your level. And then I taught high school last year and I was like, oh, oh, oh I don't understand what you're talking about. And I don't understand this. I don't understand it. And what, tell me specifically what you didn't understand. Cause there's so many things I don't understand. What didn't you understand? I didn't understand this desire to constantly be in connection with your friend group, even though your friend group was right there. So I uh, worked with the Atlantic Theater Company in the program called Staging Success through their Atlantic Acting School. And we would go into high schools. And specifically, I was in a high school in Brooklyn. And these kids would have their phones on them and they would be texting with their friends who were right outside the door. And I'm like, I don't. 
yo, you got me for 45 minutes and then you can have your friends for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. I, and whenever I would ask them to please put their phones down, it would be so difficult for them. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't understand why this is so difficult. 45 minutes. Just give me 45 minutes, y'all. Mm-hmm. That's it. But mm-hmm. it is, it's truly like, uh, because as a millennial, I got to experience a world without the immediacy of a phone mm-hmm. and uh, an internet and social media. I still was coming up with the VHS blockbuster Hollywood video era. I got uh, AOL instant messenger. Like that was my generation. So I truly don't, I don't really get this like hold that a cell phone has over young people right now. Have you ever heard of transhumanism? No. Well, there's many branches of transhumanism, but the, the sort of gist of what I understand of it is about people who want to merge with the technology Mm-hmm. And they feel like that is our, that is what we're supposed to evolve to, to the point where we are not just humans, but we are combination human technology things. And I feel like what you're describing with the high schoolers is that they they have not, the, the phone isn't implanted in their bodies yet, yes. but the, the fact of relating to the world with the phone as the phone is an appendage Mm-hmm. Is a thing, and, and I've experienced that, like with my daughter, a couple of times. We were standing in the rain, and I was saying we need an umbrella, and she was looking at her phone, and she's like, "No, it's sunny." But we were literally standing in the rain. Uh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It happens like that. They they'll check out, and it is so interesting to work with a with this group of young people of this era knowing that we're trying especially as a theater practitioner and an artist i'm like hey y'all like be you let's explore together let's like tap into your inner self but they are so surface they really work on the external because they're constantly thinking about how am i presenting uh and that and that i appreciate but at the same time i'm like but in theater you can go deeper than that but it's hard for them sometimes to make that jump and to go deeper so uh, yeah i i got to my 30s and went oh i don't I don't get you anymore. I don't understand. Well, you can imagine for me in my fifties, like I so don't get it. And there's this, this thing, I don't know if you've encountered any friends who have had this of uh, a lot of people, I guess they would be right in that space where they, they're like ghosting family. Like they've just decided we don't, we don't, we don't like our family anymore. And they don't, they don't talk to any of their family anymore. And, And there's no, no conversation, just, Family canceled. That Have there you, is, you seen that? Yes. And I think it stems from a, a, a legitimate place of like post like family trauma. So you're like, okay, I don't want to put myself through the trauma that was inflicted upon me as a young person by going and doing family vacations or visits or things like that, because I know I will be triggered. So I appreciate people wanting to uh, protect themselves, their energy and their spirit. However, I think that the thing that is frustrating 
as an outside observer of that is that you aren't allowing your family to grow either. So if you are canceling them and you are cutting them off completely, you aren't giving them an opportunity to come back at you and say, actually, we, we see you, we love you and we will accept. And we, and we just need a time. Like you're not giving us time to fully embrace everything about you now. Uh, I went through that personally with my mom. My mom is a queer black woman and she grew up in a time that that obviously was not something that you could be. And she assumed that her family did not accept her and therefore did not want her. So she left the East coast and came to the West coast. Mm. And it's just recently within like the last 10 years, she has been able to uh, repair a lot of those relationships and, and to have aunts and uncles and cousins tell her like, we love you, Joyce. We Mm. love everything about you. You're the one that left us. We miss you. We wanted Mm. to know more. So it was a really awakening moment for her. And then also for me and my sister to just appreciate, like, you know what? You may not understand, me, but I'm going to give you time to process who I am so that we can eventually come back to love. Now, just so, you know, your mother comes out as queer identified. At what Mm -hmm. point in your life was that? And how did you take it? So I grew up, I had two moms growing up. Always? From what age? Uh, since I was born. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. well, oh, okay. Well, this is fascinating. Okay, tell me. Yeah, so I, I've always had this thing where I'm like, I don't understand any sort of... Um, and to this is against an anti against the queer community, because in my opinion, I was raised by a village of incredible black lesbian women. Um, and I also, though, appreciate that my sister, who is four years younger than me, she doesn't see it the same way that I do because our relationship with our moms were different. So I see it as I was raised by two, two women. They were both considered my moms, my sister, because they got, they separated again at the time you couldn't get a legal marriage. So they had, um, a, a civil unionship. So that was dissolved. And it wasn't really pretty. And so I tell people all the time, I'm like, just because I had two moms doesn't mean that I didn't also experience what it's like to live in separate households, have two separate Christmases, two Thanksgivings, having to share space and time. And that really rocked my little sister to the point where she's like, I don't see, I see my birth mother as my mom. Mm. And then I see this other woman as a person who's been in my life. And mm. I think, that, and I, and I appreciate that. But for me, I'm like, oh, but no, I was. I felt like I was truly raised by both of these women. And it and it's so interesting because I saw so much power and beauty in them and who they surrounded themselves with. But then later on in life, there was this time period where my mom, I wouldn't say she went back in the closet per se, but she definitely was not as um, expressive in who she truly was with the rest of the world because Mm. she was still so concerned about perception. And Mm. I think that it's been so lovely. Representation is a part of my mantra. It's a part of my mission. And I think it's so great that there's been so much more um, forward representation, positive representation of queer women, queer stories. She's like, oh, well, I'm just going to be me. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> now, do you and your sister have the same birth mom? Yes, we have the same okay. birth mom and birth dad. Because my mom was like, I ain't playing this like multiple baby daddy things. Like, okay. you- 
I have multiple <laughs> baby daddies for my children. Okay, so okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, she was like, she wasn't about it because she was. I don't want to have to think about all the different stuff. So, um, I my dad is great. He understood the situation. He understood the arrangement. Um, and we have a really interesting family dynamic, but it's good and it works for us. Do you have a relationship <laughs> with the birth dad? I guess he's the sperm donor. <laughs> Yes, okay. I do. Yeah, we made sure of that. And and my mom, uh, it was when I was three years old and I went to daycare for the first time and I saw men and I saw like kids. That was your first up. time seeing men? In, in, in like registering that they are in relation to the child. So before <gasps> then, I like I said, I was like in a village of just like strong black women. And then, wow. I, and then I go to preschool and I'm like, it, who's that? And they're like, that's my dad. And I was like, dad, I want to know what a dad is. And then my mom was like, oh, okay. Well, it, this is John. <laughs> is this is your dad. <laughs> and so since then, we've had to find relationship. I mean, it's not, it's obviously not as. Um, well, what was that like? Yeah. Like, okay, you're a girl. You've been around girls. You all can be naked and everything all together. Now there's this other alien being. Like, what was that like? It was it was fine. I mean, the thing is, is that he had his own life in San Francisco. He was is doing he queer? his thing. No, he is okay. not. Um, and so he was doing what he was doing. He has his sons as well. So he also had children from other people. Um, and so it was, you know, Easter's church service he would attend with us uh we would do i would go and visit for a lit a couple hours on christmas just to be like hi me and my sister would say hi to him and his wife so like it's just it's really interesting how we kind of made it work but it truly stemmed from me just wanting to be like who is this person i want to know mm. who he is and the fact that he was around that my mom had a relationship with him in that they were co-workers and she wanted to make sure that whoever was the sperm donor was somebody that she trusted she knew their history um and felt confident that they would be understanding of what that situation looked like and that was this man so yeah I'm going to tangent for a minute because there is something that I've learned for the, from the new generation and I want to uh, bring it in uh, right now in the midst of my podcast. So I'm going to model it and then I'm going to invite you to do it. And that is that I am in New York City, which is the unceded territory of the Lene Lenape people. Yes. And um, I honor them and my um, privilege to be in the presence of their land and that I am a uh, black uh, sort of cafe au lait, caramel colored woman. I've got some full locks in my hair. Uh, I'm in my fifties. I'm Zoftig. And uh, yes. And so I invite you, Kalia, to do the same. Yes, definitely. And my apologies for not doing that in my introduction earlier. Hi, everybody. I'm Kalia Davis. I use she, her, hers pronouns. I am calling in right now from the unceded territory of the Mwekma Ohlone tribal lands. Um, also recognizing that we are using the internet space. So this is still the same tribe of Silicon Valley uh, and Zoom and Google. I also will give an image description for myself. I am a black identifying woman. I have medium brown skin. I'm currently rocking a curly hairdo that comes to about my shoulders. I'm wearing a black hat that I am obsessed with and I wear almost too often. <laughs> I'm sitting in a closet and I'm also <laughs> rocking a scarf and an orange shirt. And I'm very grateful to be here. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, I'm, I just wish people could see your beautiful, shiny, chocolate face. It's so beautiful. Thank I wish you. that people could see you. Um <laughs> Okay. I, I have to remember, I want to do that every time I, I start a podcast. As I said, I haven't done one in about six months, but in participating in other meetings with people, I think mm-hmm. it's a beautiful way. It's a beautiful um, evolution that we are having of acknowledging what came before us and, and, and writing previously wrongs and making it possible for other people to experience the podcast who can't. Uh, I mean, most people can't see a podcast but that we are inviting people for whom the visual uh, sense is not there for them at all to have a, a deeper uh, connection with uh, people in this auditory uh, platform that we are in. Amen. So, you know, I'm going to just keep picking your brains about all things millennial. You, okay. you described yourself as a woman. Does that make you cisgendered? Yes. And, and so just cause I'm just curious when you grow up and you're all around women and you're seeing women relate to each other in a, you know, a sexually loving way. I remember myself as a child kissing my girlfriends, playing all the sexual things with my girlfriends, not even thinking about whether that meant anything for my future. It was just, we were there with each other. We saw things, we were curious, we tried it out on each other. Was it the same for you and your generation? And did that affect any identity issues? You know what? It actually wasn't that it wasn't to that extreme, but I definitely remember being in high school and noticing that I was really taken with a couple of my friends and one in particular. And I just I remember telling my mom one day, I was like, I think I have a crush on my friend. And she went, oh, okay." And and I appreciated her not pushing for me to explain more or go further with that. But then I realized that actually, I think it's just an appreciation of the female body, the pre- the female form. I just, I just, there's something so beautiful about a woman. Um, and I have always just really admired it, but I, I do identify as straight. I uh, am in a really beautiful relationship with a man, a cisgendered man, a black man who also appreciates, uplifts and amplifies the black woman. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that. But yeah, so it's it's interesting. And then with my little sister, she kind of had the same thing where she's like, we didn't really experiment or anything like that, but definitely just a, a relaxed comfort in showing affection to our female identifying friends. And so for me, when I think about this lack of experimentation, which I definitely experienced for my children who are now all adults between the ages of 22 and 35, 
I remember (laughs) when my youngest was, um, he was probably about four and he was playing, you know, doctor with a five-year-old and, um, he was staying overnight at a friend's and, um, they were experimenting, you know, under the cover. The friend came in and was like, Oh my God, they were under the cover. They had any clothes on. I, I, I'm just terrified. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, this is when they should be doing this. Like when they're like 10 and 12, when people start mincing and stuff, that, that's okay. When they, this young, they should be playing and figuring all, all of it. Like, so that shit is not even interesting later. They've already done that. But I remember that, you know, he took his daughter to a therapist and the therapist was like, she should never have any more sleepovers ever again. And that's how that went. So when I hear you say no experimentation, I'm like, like, I can't even imagine that. That was such a part of my growing up with me and my girlfriends, me and my brothers, like we just did. And certainly I felt guilt because there were other kids who didn't. I remember some of my friends, their parents found out about it and I could hear them getting beaten you know, in the next house. And my mother, you know, who had me at 14, she was just had a very, I mean, she would beat me for other shit, but (laughs) (laughs) she wasn't beating me about sexual experimentation. Right. Okay. So for you to say that that wasn't even, I mean, especially with how much sexual content is available to young people via the phones and the internet, that that wasn't even something you were doing or even thinking about till high school. I'm, I'm kind of astonished. Sure. I will also just throw in the mix that I am a practicing Christian. I've been a Christian my whole life and I come from Christian women and Christian family members. So I think there is also just a sense of um, what sort of visuals are we going to be putting in front of our children in the home um, that continue to uplift some of these other types of ideals. And I think that helped maybe shield a little bit, but I will say, and just, I want to honor that you, that anybody going through any sort of experimentation, I think is so valid and beautiful. And I will say that there was one time when you mentioned your mom beating you, there was one time that I got my butt whooped so hard that I never never did anything I feel like wrong again because I was like, I just need one time. My sister's a different story. She's a Taurus. <laughs> so she she's seen the belt a few times. But I remember that I, at, in like five, six years old, was under the trampoline with a, a male classmate of mine. And I got discovered by the classroom teacher under the trampoline. And that was when my mom was like, this happened. Did this happen? What? And wanted to help me say the truth. And I was like, nope, I'm fine. And I didn't, I didn't know. And then that was why she, she took the belt out. Cause she's like, you will not lie to me. I know exactly yeah. what you did. And then she, I haven't lied to her since. Okay. <laughs> Ooh. Mm-mm. Okay. I just needed one time. <laughs> okay. And it was really about the lying, not about what you were doing. No, if you had just that, said this is what we were doing, it would exactly, have been different. Exactly, exactly. And then she and she's spoken about that when I was older. You know, we had a great conversation about how, especially when you know you start going through the changes, and then boys start to become like a legitimate situation and concern. And my mom's like, "Listen, let's have a conversation about this and go." And I, and she goes, "That's all I wanted to do. Like you, 
if you lie, you don't allow me to have a conversation with you in a protective way so that you are getting knowledge and information from a trusted source. I don't want you to have to go somewhere else to get that knowledge. I want you to get it from me because I know I can give it to you. And it and it's it's real. It's the same with like drug use, like marijuana. She's like, if you're interested in weed, come to me. And I will find, I, I know the right people who aren't going to lace it with anything, who aren't going to modify it. I know who I can get you, you know, like that, that's the type of person she was. She's like, you have to give me an opportunity to show you that I, I'm open to anything that you want to talk about. But if you cut me off, then that's the problem. Wow. This sounds so like awesome. And I'm like, oh my God, like I thought I tried <laughs> to do that with my kids, but my kids can be so conservative and very judgy. And I, and I'm just like, was like, I guess maybe kids just don't listen to their parents, but you sound like you do. But what, if I were to talk to your mother, would she be like, honey, all that stuff she told you? No, not my experience of her at all. <laughs> no, if you talk to my mom, she'd be like, yeah, that's her. Because I, what, I was such a goody two shoes. I was a people pleaser. I was like, I will do anything you want so that you are proud of me. I'm still like that. I'm, I just, I'm doing it for her. Um, and so it's just really funny that you said that because I'm like, actually, she would. And then if you ask about my sister, she'd be like, oh, I got stories. Um, Because my sister was the type of kid that at four years old was like, well, I, you already got the good kid. Like she legitimately said that one day. And my mom went, you also can be my good child, you know? She's like, eh. And has all and has since had this situation of like authority does not really compute in her brain. She's like, we are on the same equal footing. She came out the womb like that. She's like, y'all, my people, I don't care if you're a teacher. I don't care if you're my parent. I, no, we talking as equals. And my mom's like, no, you are a baby. Mm -mm. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I know you have this sort of, I, I was on the website and I was reading mm -hmm. this whole anti-racist platform. I really want to get into that and how you do that with young people, yes. especially with the huge movement right now, people that they don't want to hire. I just saw something out of Miami. They don't want to hire teachers who've been vaccinated. Um, I think Tucker Carlson was saying last night that they wanted people who, uh, you know, to, to actually attack and confront people who have been vaccinated. Um, you know, how are you even the Brearley school? I don't know if you saw this father who sent a whole letter to the 650 parents at the Brearley school about, you know, this teaching about black history. There has been no racism since the sixties. You've got young people that you're teaching theater to. Um, I'm assuming even though it's Oakland, that there must be a mixed population. Uh, how are you bringing in quote anti-racism since some people are saying there's no such thing as racism. Oh my gosh. Did you watch speaking? I will answer your question, but on Tucker Carlson, who is like, uh, have you, did you watch his whole thing about masks? Oh, I don't watch, I don't oh, okay. watch him at okay. all. I don't, I, anything that I want to go away, I try not to give any energy to it. I never Perfect. said that man in the White House's name. It was 45. Mm -hmm. Same. Because I felt like all Same. of those, the more energy you give to anything, the more you elevate it. You know, yep. all the different little acronyms with the name and all of that. I was like, you're just feeding it. You're just making it bigger. So I, I try to remove my energy from things that I don't want to have be in the world. So go go ahead. Yes. He said something. I'm the same way. My friend posted yeah. being like, what is happening? He had a whole segment about 
uh, confronting mask wearers. Yes, yes, I I read about that. Oh, I was like, y'all, just leave people alone. I'm just, I'm a huge fan of leaving people alone. Mind your own business. Anyway, back to your question. Yeah, it's been interesting to experience two different kind of realities right now as a teaching artist, as a teaching artist, um, especially someone like myself who was pretty much the only um, member of the global majority that would be in these classes and in front of these in a predominantly white institution, predominantly white classroom. I mean, I, I would go. I love that you call it as the global majority. I'm going to borrow that. Oh yeah. I will be calling it the global majority. And I've been calling the other, cause I've experienced sometimes going out and when I use that W H I T E word, people go, why are you talking about that word? I'm like, Oh, so now to use that word as a slur. So I just talked about the Crayola people, people who <laughs> define people out of, out of the colors of a Crayola crayon box, the Crayola people. Okay. I want to use that. That's, that's <laughs> very yours. on brand people. for, yeah, that's very on brand for children's theater. So thank right. you. I'll take right. that. But it is interesting because I have, progressive parents, liberal parents who have read all the things, who are trying to be very active and are like wanting their kids to also be as active as them. And then on the other side, I have some really conservative parents who are like, we just want kids to have fun in a theater class. And that's it. Like, do not talk about any of these other things. Don't put real world issues into the class. And so trying to make sure that as an employee, I'm I'm not pushing too hard, but at the same time, I want to give space. I think that's the way that I've approached education, arts education in this time, is that I want to always provide space for a kid to show up as their true, authentic self in that moment. And, and it can be um, an access check-in, like, what are your access needs today? What's going on with you? Um, it could be- a- What's an access check-in? I don't know what that is. Oh, okay. So it's something that I've implemented, especially with my staff since joining Bay Area Children's Theater, where uh, before we start anything, we do an access check-in, which is an opportunity for them to say either their access needs are being met, which means you're safe, you're protected, you're housed, you you got you got food, you got water, you know, like I'm fine. Everything is oh, good right, right I now. I love this. Or also it's an opportunity for you to go deeper. Um, I used access check-ins quite a bit during a lot of the unrest that was happening in the summertime of the pandemic. And I was very honest with them. And I would say I'm showing up today really hurt. Um, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Um, I just, so that this is an opportunity for the full ensemble, the full staff, whoever you're in community with, we can all come to a communal understanding of where everybody is at and then we can like proceed forward as business whatever needs to happen but recognizing that if someone says my wi-fi is being really spotty and then they they cut out we're like oh we understood that that was going to happen probably because they told us during the access check-in or hey my nanny is sick so i'm watching my kiddo today and then a child shows up during (laughs) the zoom and you're just like this is amazing i love babies um but yeah just to give i just you know we're artists but we're humans and i just want to make sure that we are checking in with your human self first and then we can get to the business after that and the same with the kids right like you're I get it. You're children. There are so many other things besides memorizing lines to Aladdin Jr. Like there's a lot of other things happening right now. And I want to make sure that at the beginning of my class, I've given space for it. And sometimes that means we may not get to friend like me. 
That means we may sit in a circle and we may just be sharing some feelings right now. And that's okay. We have not stopped. And and that's anti-racist because white supremacy ideals upholds this idea of pace, time, um, getting product based, finishing the product within a time frame. You can't lose um, that precious opportunity to work. And it, but if you take a moment and you just say, well, the world literally this summer, especially in California, the world was on fire, um, <laughs> as well as the reckoning that was happening in all industries due to the Black Lives Matter movement resurgence. Like you, it, it, we got to talk about it. Okay. These babies are seeing it. I can't deny it. I can't hide it. I got to show them. Yeah. And I love, I love this, this whole thing that you're talking about. It's something now I'm, you're teaching me and I'm going to carry forward because I was just reading about a book that just came out of one of the university press talking about the deep connection between capitalist business models and and slavery and how they are identical that that uh when you have control of your work of your labor force you can do anything with them Mm -hmm. so that they would uh quote have a competition for how much cotton you could pick and you'd get some nominal prize and then based on how much you picked which probably you're like i'm going to work myself to death today to get this prize and then i can rest tomorrow but then that amount became the new bottom line for what you had to do and how this whole capitalist patriarchy middle you know military industrial carceral thing is built upon the fact of an enslaved population that has no rights that you can treat like property because the crayola people treat animals better than they treat human beings Mm-hmm. So I love this idea of bringing the beginning of the day of every day with any group of people. It's something I do in my women's circles where we talk about where we're coming from, that we, yeah. we meet as human beings. And so then everybody, nobody has to be hiding what their day or their life is. And we can factor into that how the day is going to go so much more connected to humanity. I and love I, it. I find that. Those of us from marginalized communities, that's what we gravitate towards because that is what we have been denied. Where white people, they are allowed to be fully who they are. We see it in theater. We see it in media. We see it in entertainment. We see it in sports. We see it everywhere. They can just be. They can be in a grocery store and cursing out the clerk and nobody does anything. But we have never really gotten an opportunity to just be who we are. There's always something that comes with it. Like, oh, well, why are you saying it like that? Oh, you hurt my feelings. Or are you sure you feel, you seem a little upset. Like there's, it's really great to be able to like give that opportunity to those of us that haven't really had it. Hi, this is Tanya Pinkins, and that was part one of my conversation with Kalia Davis, who is head of the Bay Street Children's Theater. Come back for part two of You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network. You is kind, you is smart, you is important, you is dead. Tanya Pinkins' horror film, Red Pill, 
brings African-American perspective to progressive movement. We are a majority in this country, and we're going to win the election. Do you know what the red pill is? A red pill is someone who infiltrates a group and then destroys them from the inside. This place is spooky. Some people like to live dangerously. Gas, why are you so jumpy tonight? You know what, guys? I'm gonna go back tomorrow. Did you hear about the creature woman that attacked a father and son hunting down here? I don't see the case. This place creeps me out. I think we should call the sheriff's office. The only people missing or dead are brown people. They're after all of us. What do we do, Amelia? We die. But we take some of them with us. Hi, I'm Tanya Pinkins, and I would love to hear from you. You can text me at 917-724-8998. Tell me what you're up to, and I'll let you know what I'm up to. Text me, 917-724-8998. Let's keep in touch. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.